What's up, everyone? It is Social on the Sidelines, episode 24, presented by Front Office Sports, with episodes brought to you by Team Infographics. Who are they and what do they do, Amara? I thought you were going to cut me off. And Okay, anyway. Team Infographics. They're amazing. They provide all your fire digital content needs. For anything that you might want, they can do it. And you can find them on the internet at Team Infographics on Twitter or teaminfographics.com. Check them out. Do it. Indeed. You should do it. Uh, it is 11 p.m. Central Time on a Saturday night of the Final Four, and we are bringing you the most fire episode of Social on the Sidelines, yet alongside someone you probably know on Twitter. If you don't, you should. Uh, it is Jack Appleby, uh, who has worked at a ton of ad agencies, has probably worked on your favorite brands. Uh, he's worked on everything from Beats by Dre to um dying light to man all all sorts of different stuff fifa injustice microsoft. mortal Kombat, microsoft dude's been everywhere um and so yeah it was a really insightful conversation uh just about his career path and uh living in la yeah right tomorrow what do you know about yeah. that shout out la um no it was great i have actually been curious for quite some time what the you know uh ad like agency side of things uh looks like so it was cool to to hear his story and um yeah he gave sm sports some shout outs so there you go he did indeed um i i think overall it was a it was a really good conversation just because it's a completely unique insight for us to have it was not necessarily sports related but obviously if you if you know uh jack's twitter he has commentary across social in general so it was interesting to hear his insights on digital because he hits on a lot of stuff in his job outside of digital and throughout the conversation he kind of talked about the role that digital and social plays in these multi-million or sometimes billion dollar industries um that generally i i haven't really thought about since we've mostly worked in social for sports teams amara and i um yeah i was 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 gonna say i think like sometimes we get in a bubble of sports, which is totally understandable because we work in it, you know, seven days a week, a million hours a week. But <clears throat> it was really cool hearing, you know, that I, you know, I, one of the questions, spoiler alert, was um, like, was it scary to kind of jump into things that you don't know? And his answer was really interesting. Um, and it kind of, you know, it'd be interesting for other people who want to get into the digital content space, not necessarily sports. Um, I think this episode is for you. Yeah, it definitely is. Which, on another note, uh, Amara and I had the chance to meet again in person. Yeah. Not that we haven't met a ton of times in person, but uh, um, it's always fun. We went out to brunch. I introduced Amara, and I will I will be the first to go. tell you guys this. Here we go. I will be the first. Amara's one of my best friends, just so you guys know. Like, it's not just her being a co-host. She's one of my best friends, truly, in the world. So whenever I get to meet up with her, it's fun. But then I get to tell her everything that's going on in my life. And what was going on in my life last Sunday when Amara, (laughs) my wife, and and, uh, myself went out to brunch was that Old Town Road was stuck in my head. And so Amara at that point had not heard Old Town Road. And so what I did in the middle of brunch in a very packed brunch atmosphere was start playing Old Town Road. And I kid you not, 
The first words Amara Baptist says after hearing Old Town Road is, this is trash. She Did says, say this is trash. She says, I this feel like I didn't trash. say trash. You, no, no, no. You said, this is trash. And then I, Farheen and I, my wife, were like, Amara, yo, wait. This song slaps. Wait till the beat. And, and as soon got, as the yeah. beat hits, Amara was lit. And now she's out here <laughs> tweeting about the Billy Ray Cyrus remix, which, by the way, if you guys have not, like, if you're not on board with this song, I'm upset. One of my employees, Taylor Nardinger, which I'm going to shout her out here, because I was so, I've never been mad at anyone on my staff. But I was actually mad because I, I told everyone to listen to the remix because Taylor hadn't heard the original or the remix. And she took off her headphones and she was like, this is the worst song on earth. And I was like, yo, I was like, I was going to be like work from home. I was so mad. Like, I was honestly upset. I was hurt inside. And she was what? just like, you have a horrible taste in music. Billy Wh- Ray murdered that, by the way. He killed it. And I would never, like, I, it's 2019, people. Billy Ray Cyrus put out a banger in 2019. Yeah, like, man, this was, yeah. I'm about to have so many sing-alongs and dance parties to this for the next three months. That's the summer jams. Shout out Billy Ray Cyrus. Sponsor us, Billy. Put us on the Yo, next episode. That, when you bring back Hannah Montana, put us back. Oh Sponsor us. Don't even joke. I would die if I was on Hannah Montana. Dude, Hannah Montana is where it's at. Yeah. Like, the, actually, the theme song for Hannah Montana, the new one, if they make, bring it back, because I heard rumblings that they might be, should be the Old Town Road remix. That's how fire it was. I got Wait, you didn't hear this? In the back. I would oh, rather you never do that again. <laughs> I would rather you I would rather you do the team infographics intro a million times over in your, the crustiest voice that you do it in rather than you singing horses in the back again. Crusty. Dude, it was crusty. There's there's nasty and then there's crusty. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You know it what? It was great seeing it's you fun. though. It was. We had such was. a fun time. Do we want to tell them about the little boy that curbed me? Oh, of course. Look, <laughs> social on the sideline listeners, y'all are real ones. I feel every time we have this talk, I feel like it's been a few weeks. It's actually been like three weeks since Amara and I did one of these, I think, right? We've had stuff going on in our lives, end of the season, et cetera. But now, you know, I feel like every time we have one of these conversations, we have to loop you in on our lives. And as part of this, I want to let you know that while we were waiting to be seated for brunch, you know, it was a table for three, and uh, my wife is standing there, I'm standing there, and Amara goes and waves at a little boy who's also waiting with his parents for lunch, and oh my god, can this police siren just chill out for two seconds? Maybe it's a sign to not tell the story. No, no, I'm going to tell the story. I... I'm not going to be able to edit this one out. Sorry, listeners. It's Final Four weekend. People are doing stupid things. But I'm going to continue the story now. So anyway, we're standing in line and uh, Amara waves at this little boy who's waiting with his parents to be seated as well. And the kid turns the other way. He doesn't say anything. He doesn't like, say He anything. looks like he saw a ghost and just like slowly turns his head. And I was like, well, OK, that's what's going to happen. Yeah. And then Amara was literally like, I'm even being curved by little boys in my life. Like. <laughs> This is this is honestly what's happening, and I I died. It was really. Fun. I guess you had to be there. I guess you had to be there. 
At least you waited yeah. for like 10 minutes through those police sirens to actually hear me finish that. So. <laughs> but yeah, should we uh, get into the episode? Yeah, because I've been going, I can go off about Amara stories forever. So without further ado, Jack Appleby, episode number 24. What is up, everybody? It is Social on the Sidelines, episode number 24, joined by my co-host, as always, Amara Baptist, and uh, somebody you probably know through Twitter, Jack Appleby. Uh, what's up, Jack? Thanks for joining us. <laughs> oh, God. I, I hope not everyone thinks I'm just like a Twitter person at this point, but but I'll take it. Uh, I'm great. How are you guys doing? <laughs> you know good. what? I'm doing good. I just got back from a Jonas Brothers concert because my wife forced me to go there over watching the Final Four game. So that was Forced? Fun. Forced. He wanted to I go. I, this is. I would have happily gone. I left a little bit early for this, and I don't feel bad about it at all. <laughs> Those two songs are bangers. Some of them are. Yeah, the yeah. first one is like "Burning Up." I, I sang a little. I'm not oh yeah, that's there the jam. Cool's good too. I'm into it. I wasn't a fan before, but now for some reason I have turned the corner. Yo, we we should just turn into like an all entertainment type of podcast tomorrow. Let's switch from career <laughs> advice to let's do it. Everything. Well, I'm it in. actually flows well because Jack has such a diverse background. Jack, to get everyone in the loop on kind of where you're at in your career, tell us one where you're working at now, and two the long form story of how you got there. Uh, sure. Yeah. Um. So, like you mentioned, I kind of took a an interesting path, a, a lot of weird moves and a lot of right place, right time stuff. Um, but currently, I am the director of creative strategy um, at an advertising agency called Midnight Oil um, in Burbank, California. So I don't know, 20 minutes outside of Hollywood proper. Shout out um, Burbank. Woo. Shout out Burbank, just the cultural center of LA. Um, no, but uh, it's uh, so I'm at an ad agency right now. We're about 330 people, um, and we do pretty much all forms of advertising. Um, we've got a lot of out-of-home experience, so a lot of billboards, um, various things that you can actually touch, feel, things you see outside of the home, off of the internet, um, as well as a lot of social digital stuff, um, which is why I joined the shop. Um, yeah, that's what I've, I've been doing for about the last three months, um, though the majority of my background um, has been specifically in social media um, and social media agencies. Um, that's I, th I think I met you guys kind of along the way somehow through Twitter and, and various friends of friends and whatnot. Indeed. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, but um, so I got my start kind of very, very early. Um, actually, while I was in college, um, I kind of made the the maybe controversial to my parents, um, but I think right for my career decision of really not focusing on my schoolwork as much and focusing on a couple of extracurriculars that I had going on. Um, I was a scholarship basketball player. Um, at a small private college, um, Christian college, actually. Um, and I also was running a music website. I was writing for a, uh, another music blog that was doing about one to two million unique visitors a month, um, as well as managing bands and doing all sorts of weird things. Um, and I decided to lean really heavily into that my last couple of years of school, um, which was great because the very first interview, my first weekend after I graduated, um, all we talked about in the interview was the things I was doing in music. Um, and I ended up working for that woman for six years. Um, wow. which was my, yeah, yeah. I mean, in, in the, in the advertising agency world, um, it's kind of unheard of. Um, recruiters had no idea what to do with me when I, when I finally did decide to kind of move forth to a new place. Cause they're like, no, no one stayed this long. Does that mean you're, you're doing well? Does that mean you're an absolute crazy person? It, what does that mean? 
Um, but it was a great experience. Um, there's an agency called Eisenberg Group um, where I cut my teeth um, and kind of just really got to touch a lot of things. Um, came in there at around 2011, which was right when social media budgets started to become a thing where brands were paying to either have at the time, community management was very, very popular. Um, I spent a year of my career running the EA Sports FIFA Twitter account during the Graveyard American Hours so we can talk to their European audiences. Um, hmm. So I spent the full year of my, maybe my second year of my career, um, I was working from midnight to 8 a.m. Pacific, um, leading a team Yuck. about six to eight. Yeah, that was a whole thing. Um, it was really interesting. There, there was a whole moment there where in uh, gaming, most of my career has been in either gaming, entertainment, or tech, um, where gaming industry was very, very focused on kind of one-to-one -one engagement, even if that meant a, at one point we had a maybe 15 to 20 people online simultaneously answering just on a couple of accounts. Um, every single tweet, Facebook post, subreddit post, forum post, um, it was a whole operation. Um, but my agency, as well as our clients, kind of grew from there where we became um, what's now, I think, more known as a traditional social media agency of record account, um, where we would be responsible for running the strategy, um, as well as producing all of the organic creative um, for various brands. Um, so during that, those first six years at Eisenberg, um, I was the lead strategist for Microsoft Surface AOR, their, their tablet slash computer device, um, where I'd work with a team of... I don't know, 10 to 15 people that were making multiple posts per day year round, um, whether we were servicing a product launch or just trying to reach existing customers, kind of all of the various things. Um, got to work on the video game Minecraft, which was kind of a dream of mine. Uh, worked on the TV show Community, um, which was the, the actual dream job um, was to get to go to the set and work with those folks, um, as well as a bunch of other things while I was there. A lot of video games, uh, Injustice, uh, Dying Light, all kinds of stuff. Um, and from there, I, I kind of decided at one point, like I wanted to try something new. Um, and I went over an agency called Laundry Service. Um, and it's based in New York. I, I ran the strategy team in the Los Angeles department, um, where our main client was Beats by Dre. Um, another dream to try to work in music, um, see what that was like. Um, we got to make content for the NBA All-Star Game, for the NBA Finals. Um, we had, it's just really interesting to work with a client who sponsors multiple athletes on both sides of the championship contenders. So trying to build social strategies to promote both LeBron and KD at the same time through content that is competitive, but doesn't take a side uh, makes for some kind of unique and bizarre uh, challenges. Um, but definitely a, a dream experience to be able to do that. Um, I did that for about a year. Um, and then I actually started to venture outside of social. Um, I went to an agency called Petrol, where I ran the strategy team for 360 strategy. So no longer just social, um, but trailers, um, full content campaigns, um, the big video game announced stuff um, all the way through to post-launch, below the line type of content, kind of a little bit of everything. Um, and then I kind of ended up right here where I'm at now, where I'm part of a, a building team um, that has a lot of history in gaming and out-of-home stuff, like I mentioned. And we're pivoting a little harder into the social digital. Um, so maybe that's a, that, that's kind of the touch points from everything. Um, but I've gotten to do just such crazy stuff uh, with Microsoft, for instance, or, or Beats. Uh, it's just been a really rewarding, awesome experience to be kind of in. It has been called social for so long, but now I kind of just refer to it as content because at the end of the day, everything's content. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I find that. Sorry, Boz, go ahead. No, no, I just said, yeah, that's quite the journey. Like you said, it, it kind of hit on everything. 
Yeah, no, I got to, I mean, I got to do the tech, I got to do the entertainment, gaming. Um, it's funny, I, I was never much of a, a gamer. Um, I actually wasn't even allowed to play games growing up. Um, and I built a significant part of my career on it um, just because gaming clients, they really understand the need for content and to reach existing communities, outside communities, um, use paid media budgets to create content for potential fans. Um, so it's funny, the, the year or two I spent outside of gaming, I kind of came sprinting back because I was having to justify my content, but it's elsewhere. Whereas in gaming, it's like, no, 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 this is the most important thing. What are we going to make to promote this thing? Um, so we got to do some really fun, crazy stuff. I mean, I worked on a zombie video game um, where we were doing 60 kills and 60 second videos where we were like parroting the donut selfie back when that was a thing six years ago. God, I've been in social for a long time if I'm referencing the donut <laughs> selfie. Um, no, just all kinds of stuff. I mean, putting out video content every single day of the week, um, often, which is gameplay related content. So it, it's kind of been touching everything. And it's been really interesting coming from a social media background into um, what is now traditional agency strategy. Um, it's a new path. It's, it's kind of based on right place, right time. I'm kind of in this first wave of people who came out of social and started doing the more traditional work, um, which has been really cool because I understand a lot of parts of the campaigns that traditional strategists haven't worked on. Um, and it's also challenging because I wasn't raised the same way everybody else was. I think I do. Uh, I probably come at things a lot more similar to what you guys do for your various teams um, than maybe what a, an advertising agency strategist might. I was actually, yeah, that's really interesting because I, you know, obviously have just known, I worked at Fox Sports and then I went to, you know, two, two NBA teams. So I've just known kind of sports in that realm. Was it scary for you to kind of go into, like you said, gaming, which you don't really know, or, you know, um, music you were familiar with, but just like Microsoft and different things. Was it kind of intimidating for you to kind of jump into that? Or do you feel that content is the same kind of in all avenues, if that makes sense? Sure. Yeah. No, it's interesting. Um, I... the. <laughs> I think the, the, maybe the lazy, but also easiest way to answer that is a lot of it for me depended on whether we were going to be allowed to try things or not. Um, I think we've all, because we've all done job interviews over the years, we probably all get that question of like, what's your favorite, like, what would be your dream brand? Um, and the answer I give every time, which is in 100% genuine, I worked on my favorite TV show of all time, and I worked on my favorite video game of all time. One was the best year of my career, and one was the absolute worst. Um, for me, it's about whether they're going to let us actually kind of affect change and be part of the process, or if we're more of a production house, here are the ideas now go make the ideas for us. Um, which I think also, it's also interesting. One of the reasons I, I love chatting with you guys and the rest of the SM sports world is I think all of our team structures and all of our goals and, and almost everything that we do is come out from a completely different angle. Like the resources we use, our go-to tactics, um, and I think every single piece of it, even though we're, we're all technically in content. Mm -hmm. Can you expand like, on that a little bit? Sure. Yeah. I mean, so traditionally, and I, I, I would assume a lot of your listeners are sports fans or, or content creators. Um, so I wonder what the familiarity with is how an, an advertising agency might approach content. Um, I've been a strategist or a creative strategist for my whole career. Um, which means I am responsible for understanding the space, understanding the best practices, um, doing better than the best practices and inventing new ones based on testing and analytics, um, as well as working extremely closely with creative teams. Um, so for instance, when I worked in the TV show community, 
Um, we were their social agency of record for the sixth season, the one that was on Yahoo screen. I worked with a team of about four people for that account. Myself as a strategist um, slash super fan of the show, which meant I wrote a lot of my own copy. Um, I worked with an art director. I worked with a graphic designer, um, a producer who just made sure everything was on track and we were delivering everything to client. And then an account person um, who made sure all the finances were set. So on the actual creation side, there was only three of us on that. Whereas when I worked uh, with some of the Microsoft work, I would pair with a creative director who would be working with a team of, I don't know, between 20 and 40 junior creatives, ranging from motion graphics to graphic design to illustration to even 3D modeling, uh, whatever it took to get the job done. So the team sizes and structures, um, they've really varied based on what the client need was, what the client budget was. Um, and it's interesting as I've gotten to know the, uh, the two of you a little bit, as well as some of the other people in the sports world, just out of my own curiosity, since I, I would love to ultimately work in sports someday. Um, it sounds like the teams uh, are a little more nimble, a little more multi-talented. It sounds like a lot of what you guys own is kind of everything. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think speaking personally for, for the Timberwolves and Lynx side, uh, much like yourself, our digital content team specifically hits on everything between external facing billboards to uh, you know boards throughout the skyways in Minneapolis to uh, paid social, uh, creative animation, um, you know graphic design, writing, photography, video editing. I can go on and on, but it's it's very wide ranging, and I think it really depends on what you're trying to make out of it when you first get in. Um, I, I think speaking for myself, much like you, when I first got into social, it was solely having a background of journalism and, and writing and social and being in the job, uh, you know, in, in the early stages of NBA Twitter in its, you know, infancy, I would say, when, when people were really starting to hop to it, I was able to see where it would be going and, and luckily get ahead of the curve in trying to, you know, bolster my skills in graphic design and video editing, et cetera, so that when this day came where I would oversee a team of different people with different creative talents, that we'd be able to be in a place that we feel good about. Yeah, it's interesting. And I'd be curious if the two of you kind of have the same career aspirations um, and it maybe even if you guys work the same way. I've gotten to chat with a couple of people who have uh, transitioned from professional sports um, out of sports to other areas. Um, and I think they, they, both the people I know have made drastic changes to how they worked. Um, sometimes for, to lean harder into a creative angle where they're more of the, what, what we would call an advertising, a producer editor, um, where you're more of a content creator to where someone else has gone almost more into a strategy role like myself, where they're not even touching creative, um, where like, so, I mean, as much talk as I do about social media and as, as much as I love it and content, I work in contents. You don't want me ever around Photoshop. It will be the hardest brotoshopping you could imagine. Um, that's not my, that is not my skill set. Uh, mine's about thought leadership and understanding the space and building campaigns and selling campaigns to clients. Um, yeah, we've worked on sure. things from, yeah. And, and, and like I mentioned, the, the team size a lot of times depend on the structure. Um, I've worked on everything from a social media account on the small end would have maybe like a $30,000 budget per month. Um, to on the drastic end, where I'd work on a social media AOR for a big client, we'd have about one to two million dollars uh, per year annually to make social media content strictly for the traditional Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. 
um, which those ones, there's just immense amounts of content. We're, we're doing 60, 70 posts per month, um, which is funny. I think as I've learned about more about what you guys do, you guys post what I think is almost like a crazy amount. Like yeah. I was looking at, a, yeah, I, I looked at the, um, I was chatting with the front office sports folks and we were talking about day one social media for each NBA team. I mean, I think I noticed the Warriors had, I want to say it was 57 Instagram stories on day one. Hmm. That's a lot. That's a lot. And it's <laughs> a lot. Um, and it's interesting. I think what I think might be a ton of content might not even phase you guys. And I yeah. wonder with like team sizes and amount of like work that you're supposed to be doing. I, th that's what I've loved most about getting to the SM sports world is just seeing how different industries approach all of this stuff. Yeah, it's interesting right. too, kind of piggyback piggybacking off that. I mean, so it kind of just depends on the storyline for us, right? Like on a game day, we're going to have triple the posts that we would do on an off day. But then on those off days, you have to fit in, okay, we have to sell tickets, we have sponsored content, we have these uh, injury updates, like all this stuff that you really just don't know. Like, what is the correct amount? I don't know the answer. Right. and. I think to Amara's point, it, it's really dependent on one organizational goals and initiatives, because I know my, my spell speaking personally, my time at the Sacramento Kings versus my time now being at Timberwolves and Lynx twice in a five year span. When I was in social, you know, at the beginning at the Wolves and Lynx five years ago, compared to when I was at the Kings and they had completely different visions and goals compared to where I'm at now. Um, it it's remarkable to see how even within the NBA and even at different teams, what the goals of social and digital are, because, you know, for, for many folks, it might just be uh, to engage for others. It could be building uh, the game up as the NBA tries to expand to becoming the biggest sport in the world. And as well, it's on, on its way, how teams are playing into that and hopefully monetizing on worldwide audiences. And for others, it might just be, you know, pushing sales and tickets and trying to monetize in general. And so it's been a really unique journey, I think, being able to see both sides of that. And uh, with that being said, I, I did have a question for you, uh, given you were in a place where you started at social and you expanded your skill set beyond. Um, how did that journey go for you from managing social and being on that side of it to then overseeing uh, you know, teams that had skill sets that maybe you weren't as familiar firsthand with, like you said, photoshopping and billboards and all this stuff. When you when you got into the industry, surely, you know, you, you might not have had the insights that you have now. But how do you go about managing teams that oversee those things when you don't necessarily have the firsthand experience? What advice might you have? And what has your experience been like? Yeah, no, I mean, it's a great question. Um, it, it's definitely an interesting space, um, especially as social's grown. I mean, it's, it's easy. We've all been in it for kind of the entirety of our careers. Um, but it's, it's hard to remember sometimes that this is still like social media is still in its infancy. Like we're what a decade into paid social media budgets. Like this is a new space. Um, and that means that at some point as you scale teams, there are people that you'll work with and creatives that, that I've worked with at agencies um, that didn't really get social media, um, didn't use it, didn't practice it. Um, and I say that in meaning that it could be 
anything from not understanding what type of content might resonate with an existing audience to not understanding how to work on a maybe a goal that an organization has and what that means content-wise. Um, but I've also gotten to work with a tremendous amount of, of really wonderful people. Um, so for me, like uh, my thing is just always being very open to experimentation. Um, and that's something I've preached with every team I've worked with is we got to be willing to try stuff. We have to be willing to mess up, um, not on a drastic scale. Um, but if we're not willing to experiment, we're going to get stuck in a rut and we're going to do very safe stuff um, that at some point will stop moving the needle. Um, so for instance, something I worked on with a client um, was we would do our, all of our content by content buckets. So each month we had five different content buckets um, and we'd serve up numerous pieces within each of those buckets. Um, something I really worked to transition them on was instead of five buckets, let's do three buckets and let me use 40% of your budget to try something new. And if it works, we'll kill one of the old content budgets. Um, and if it doesn't work, we'll try something new again the following month. Just various things to keep uh, your content fresh, keep your teams very excited. Um, I've worked with teams that have gotten burned out because they've had to work on the same piece of technology for two years um, and weren't getting to stretch themselves creatively. So much of it's just about making sure like your team has a lot of ownership, um, which is another thing I believe in. I'm kind of going off into my own management principles at this point. But, but to me, if the whole team doesn't feel like they are owning things and are responsible for things, why would they invest in it fully? Yeah, I completely agree with that. Yeah, I mean, there, there's creative directors out there who are pixel pushers where they will stand over the shoulder of their graphic designers like, no, you need to fix this, 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 this. That mm -hmm. is one way to do things. Um, I think it also causes a lot of burnout. Um, and I think there's a point where it's necessary, but I also think there's a point where you got to let people kind of fly. Um, I mean, that first agency I was at, I was way too young to be leading conference calls with multi-million dollar clients. I was not seasoned enough at all, um, but it helped me get to where I am um, just by having that exposure. Um, and I certainly messed up plenty of times and I did things right and tried new things plenty of times that worked. Um, but if I hadn't had that ownership, um, I would have never been able to get to where I am at my age. For sure. Um, so this question is uh, curious, kind of, because <laughs> I want to know. Um, tell everybody what like what a normal day in the life of you is as far as work. Um, like, what do you work on normal... different projects or, you know, yeah, just tell us. Sure. Yeah. So uh, I'll give two stories. Um, since my current job is, is a new one, I'm, I'm about 100 days into this job. Um, right now, a lot of what I'm doing is working directly with um, our senior account directors um, and our VPs to build business. Um, to kind of change our skill sets, talk to clients. Um, I'm, I'm doing some new business myself as far as trying to bring in more people so we have the opportunities there. Um, in many ways, it's, a, it's this wonderful combination of we've got a 300-person company um, as well as we're approaching things that, from a startup type of mindset to get them into new spaces. So right now, it, it varies a ton. Um, some days, I'll be building decks for new clients to show them what we can do. Other days, I'll be working with our creative directors to set kind of a brief format on what that might mean for our whole company. So when I talk to the creatives, I can best inform them on what's going on, making sure that they understand it and it's in a format that works for them and brings the best out in them. Um, so it changes a lot right now. Um, but in some of my other roles, it was a lot more defined. Um, like during my social strategist or my senior social strategist days, um, my weeks were very set. I'd come in, let's talk about the when I worked on community, for instance. So every Monday morning, 
I would come in um, and I would have the episode that was going to come out the following week um, in my inbox. And me and the small team I worked with would go in a conference room and watch a 30-minute comedy um, and take notes and rewatch it and understand what things we wanted to make for that to promote that content. Um, that cycle was a little harder than the ones I've worked on because we get the episode just a week prior and then have to make a bunch of creative and then get that all approved by client, get the client notes back, um, redo it, and then get it all out there in time. Um, but for that one, Mondays, we'd watch the show. We'd spend the rest of Monday and Tuesday kind of all fiddling at our computers trying to come up with as many concepts as possible. We'd spend all of Wednesday scrambling to make a ton of creative. Um, and then Wednesday or uh, Thursday, Friday is all about just working with the client to see if they understand it, see if they agree with it. Um, that was my weekly scramble for about nine months where it was very structured, very rigorous um, and a lot of fun. We'd go to set. We'd work with them. I got to work uh, with Jim Rash, who plays the Dean and has been on various other uh, shows and movies at this point where they were making content specifically for us and for the audience to thank them for being along the ride for so long. Um, whereas on another big account where maybe we're working with 40 creatives, it's kind of just an expanded version of that. Weekly briefings for the creatives, constantly digging through things. Um, I mean, we're all Twitter friends. It, 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 there's jokes about how I, I don't do anything but tweet. Um, and that's because I'm just constantly reading. I'm constantly trying to see what's going on in social, what's going on in campaigns, what's going on in content. Um, and as I'm doing it, I kind of use my Twitter as a sounding board, seeing what people think of things, sharing things, see what gets a reaction, um, see what the general, just kind of the group that we all belong to think of stuff. And then I bring it all to work. Pretty much everything on my Twitter is also on my company Slack to the whole team I work with because I, I just really care about this space a lot. For sure. For sure. What, one thing that I was curious about is how you measure success, specifically when it comes to digital and social throughout all the clients that you've worked with, right? Like, I, I'm sure there's not a one size fits all definition for this, but I'd be curious what you see as a success when it comes to social uh, for the clients that you've worked with. Yeah. I mean, and like, like you kind of hinted at it, it's changed for literally every client I've worked with. Um, at the end of the day, there's going to be some mixture of engagement followers, even though it's kind of not great to think that way. Um, as well <laughs> as purchase of product, um, in gaming, one of the key metrics is pre-orders. How many people are buying the game before it even comes out? Um, which is challenging because now that there are influencers and so many review sites, people don't really do that action anymore. Um, they wait. They'll, they know that games will go on sale. They'll wait for Christmas to get it as a gift. Um, so when I work on gaming, a lot of times when I'm doing big above-the-line content, your announced trailer, your story trailer, a character reveal, that's about getting press pickup. It's about doing things that showing the audience who they could be. Um, if we've got a character where maybe it's a faceless character and we want them to live the power fantasy of playing as that person, how are we approaching the content? Is it exclusively first person so you never see it so you can imagine yourself? Um, if it's a third person game, how do we make it so you feel the fantasy or we feel what that character is doing if we want you to experience their narrative? It can kind of change for all of those things. Um, but it's, it honestly becomes a mixture of things throughout every campaign. Um, what I'll say is at the end of the day, they do want to know how we are going to use content to sell product. Um, and I've tried that about a million different ways. And a lot of them have worked and a lot of them haven't. Um, I've also worked on campaigns where it was really just about awareness, um, which can mean a lot of things. And frankly, we try to avoid that. We actually discourage 
thinking about content only from an engagement or awareness standpoint. Because at the end of the day, someone's going to ask uh, them why they're doing that and budgets could get cut and success could get cut. And that's not what anybody wants. We want to align very clearly with our clients' business plans um, and then our clients' bosses. How do we get our clients promoted? Because we're helping them accomplish their uh, boss's business goals. So it becomes a little bit of everything, um, which is maybe a helpful or maybe not at all helpful answer. No, it's, no, it's definitely great. helpful. I, I think one follow-up I have on that, uh, more revolved around the clients that you've had, what would you say has been the most challenging client that you've had? You don't have to give me a specific name per se, but why was it challenging? And if you feel comfortable, feel free to, to tell us which <laughs> was the most challenging. Um, yeah. But why was it? Yeah. Um, two immediately jumped to mind. It's a question I get, um, and I won't name them. Um, one being in games and one not being in games. Um, so the one in games, uh, the challenge with them was a really unique one in that a lot of the, let's call it the, the content within the games, the, the game, that, the things that you did, um, they didn't have great licenses for um, to use to promote themselves on social media which meant that kind of the core offering that a player would take when they're playing this game, I pretty much couldn't show any of it, um, which was tough. So we had to do lots of really bizarre, weird things to try to get attention. Um, and if anything, my direct client was their lawyers to find out legally what they were and were not comfortable with. Um, and they were legally very conservative on top of not having their licenses. Um, so there's not much I can give away. The more I could say without giving away who that one is. Um, but when you've got a client that's very focused on just being safe and kind of checking the boxes and maybe doesn't have all their ducks in a row, it, it's hard to make anything compelling. Uh, yeah. You have to take big swings um, if you want to make content, is have any sort of escape velocity besides the fans that are we are sure will hit the double tap the like button um, for everything that you do because you're a famous basketball team or you're a very famous brand or you represent a, a, a wonderful video game. I'm always pushing clients to try to think like, yes, I can get you a, a certain amount of likes, comments, engagements, and even pre-orders uh, just from your core community. You don't really need me to do that. You can go hire someone internally to do that. How do we start thinking about bringing it to the next audience, whether that's through exclusively paid strategy or whether that's taking ridiculous content swings um, to make something that's hopefully shareable? So done a lot of different things there. Um, and then the other one that I, that I thought of is very simply, there's a lot of clients out there who think of advertising agencies as production shops where they have the ideas, um, whether they are good or bad ideas, and they want you to do the work for them. Um, and don't get me wrong, there's a time and a place for that. Um, and a lot of businesses are built on that. And I've also really enjoyed working with clients like that. Um, but honestly, where I'm at this phase of my career, um, I'm very focused on doing the coolest, best work possible. Um, and that means taking, like I keep saying it, but taking big swings, trying new ridiculous things to get it out there. That doesn't mean taking, making memes out of everything, but it means being willing to experiment. Um, and the ones who aren't willing to experiment generally don't get results. Um, as far as like advice, we always ask, um, our guests, uh, to what advice they would give. So you you come from an interesting perspective, so you don't have to do specifically, obviously, social, but just in general content. What would you give uh, people who are looking to get into this industry? What would you say? Um, looking to get into the industry, do as much as you can on your own outside before you get the job. 
Um, one of the unfair realities of a lot of social media jobs um, is they expect you to have years of experience for entry level positions. Um, I think it's ridiculous. Yep. I don't think it should be that way, but it is something that happens more often than not. I have seen social media internships that expect experience, um, which is insanely frustrating. How could you ever expect that? Um, but it is a reality. Um, so uh, to me, if you want to get into this space, um, you need to be fairly educated before you even start. Um, and the good news is there's a lot of really wonderful ways to do that. Um, there's a lot of really quality sources. Um, I mean, even just Twitter. To me, to, to not use Twitter to both build connections um, and to learn, you're just missing out on uh, just a completely like free career in many ways. Um, I mean, I have signed new clients through Twitter DMs. I have hired people through Twitter DMs. I have met best friends through Twitter DMs. Like if you're not using social media, at least in that way, um, you're going to totally miss out on huge opportunities. Can confirm Absolutely. I met my wife on Twitter. <laughs> no, really? That's fantastic. Yeah, it's just, it's the most, I mean, it's, it's such an easy way to do things. Um, I've got a, a, a close friend now who he really wanted to work in social. Um, and he was really struggling to get a job for a couple of reasons. Um, he was a little green as far as how he approached interviews. Um, he's a little undeveloped in his opinions on social, how he wanted to take things. Um, but when he couldn't get a job, he just threw himself full force into Twitter to find the advertising community, the social media strategy community, and slowly built himself up until he had a lot of uh, different contacts. And one of them ended up hiring him based yeah. on a lot of how he did his Twitter. That's literally That's cool. how I got my first job in social was, do you know Pat Muldowney? I do. I, we have been Instagram friends forever and we have yes. a, a long delayed first drink that we are yet to have. <laughs> well, this is your reminder to have a drink with Pat Muldowney. Um, and he hired me because he knew like my Twitter voice, which is so crazy. So yes, that's great advice. Yeah, no, I, I like to give, uh, give Pat some trouble because he got a job that I applied for and really wanted. <laughs> um, but Ooh. no, Pat's great. Oh, the, the, the real inside of social. Um, no, Pat's great. Um, and I mean, and I mean, I know he added Julie recently to his team and she's great. Yep. Uh, they're, they're doing to me, that's a company worth watching um, content wise. Like the way we talk about experimenting like NBA desktop, that is such a perfect trial of something that on paper shouldn't work, um, but is tremendous and perfect and fills this little niche that will continue to explode. They do sure. wonderful things over there. I'd For agree. Sure. Um, one thing to, to add on that, are there specific skill sets or when it comes to advice and social specifically, are there specific skills within digital that you think are necessary for people that are looking to grow or join social and digital now? Because it goes far and above content creation because so much of that entails so many different things. So are there certain things within that content space that you think are necessary to have? Well, I think it depends. Um, and I think it's, it, it's actually one of the, one of the points that I, I do some speaking with colleges, talk to upcoming college grads about how to enter these spaces. Um, and one of the things I always advise on is wanting to work in social is great. Um, but what's more important is understanding what you will be doing within social media. Um, cause one of the, to me, one of the hardest parts of working in social is figuring out your career, maybe like four or five years in, um, and transitioning to the next job. It's not always going to be as simple as taking a management type of role over a social team. 
Um, I've seen a lot of social folks where they've got a, a mixture of skill sets where they're a strong writer and they're a good enough editor um, or Photoshop creator and they're a good enough videographer, um, but they're not expert level at any of it. And it makes the next step um, pretty hard sometimes if you're not working in the exact same industry that you've grown up in. Um, so for me, what I always encourage people is look at the social space and understand like, do you want to do, and don't get me wrong, I'm coming at it from an advertising angle. Do you want to do strategy? Um, we are constantly figuring out what the right things to do on social networks are strategically for the right audiences, identifying insights and how to reach people um, as well as new people. Or if you want to be a creative, what you're really passionate about when you say, I want to work in social media is the actual making of the content. Go take art design classes. Um, go take I mean, videography lessons. Go do that piece of it because it is very sectioned out. Um, and to me, as social expands and people spend more and more money there, I think the jack of all trades type of role, um, I think it could increase because there's such a amount of college students right now who kind of are these amazing unicorns of content creators. But those roles have a really hard time scaling within other companies. Like it wouldn't surprise me if there's not social media departments at some point because everything is content distribution. So go work with a content team, either as a creative or a writer or a strategist or a paid media specialist or an account executive or name any of the other things that actually touch social media. Hmm. I like that. Um, okay. Do you have any final thoughts you would like to share with our listeners? Um, I mean, I kind of said it a little bit earlier, but I think my favorite thing about this space is just the ability to connect with pretty much everybody. Um, I have learned just as much by chatting with the two of you, some of the other people in SM Sports, um, as I have working through the job itself. Um, and there's just a tremendous wealth of people out there who all have different takes um, that we can all learn from. And if you want to participate in it, it's right there. Um, so I, I just kind of encourage everybody to, to be part of that. That's I've built so much of my own career just through using social media to talk to other social media people. So I hope more people just get out there and, and ask questions. Love it. I appreciate you hopping on today on a late Saturday night while the final four games were just ending. Um, and you were three games out of uh, three games of basketball out. Um, yeah. and you came and hopped on our podcast so we appreciate that yeah everyone's normal saturday night podcasting um no but it's great i i really appreciate you guys having me on it's great to talk to you of course we will be in touch soon if anyone wants to be in touch with jack or has any questions for jack where can they find you at yeah i am uh i'm just all over twitter and instagram um i'm juicebox ca across both of those networks um I try to respond to everybody um, on both of them. So just give me a shout. I'm always down to help. Awesome. Thanks again, Jack. Cool. Thanks, guys. Um, on both of them. So just give me a shout. I'm always down to help. Awesome. Thanks again, Jack. Thank you guys for listening to episode 24 of Social on the Sidelines. Still can't believe we're at 24. We appreciate y'all. You're real ones. And as always, Episodes are presented by Front Office Sports and Team Infographics. In my crusty voice, tell them oh my God. where to oh find my them God. on the internet. <laughs> Jesus. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. You can unfortunately hear Amara say that during every episode. <laughs>
every episode in that nasty, crusty crab <laughs> plankton voice. Uh, um, you can find them on Twitter at Team Infographs or online at teaminfographics.com. I sound depressed because I'm Yeah, sound rude. more upset that Team Infographics are our sponsor. No, no, no. no. It, it's not them. It's you. It's not Again, me. Again, a story you. of my life. <laughs> Shout out to the little boy that curved you, man. That made my weekend so much better. Like, seeing you get curved made me feel good. What a good friend I am, right? You really are. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, have a good week, friends. You too, friends. I've, Not I thought you, you were that our me. listeners. Damn it. <laughs> you know what, people? She wished it to you. I'm not going to. All right. <laughs> a Game of Thrones back next week, people. Let's so we go! We will talk about that. Before I end this, I just want to say the throne, the Iron Throne was in Minneapolis as part of the final four. And as soon as work ended for me on Friday, I took an Uber two miles down the street so I could go sit on the iron throne and took like 72 pictures on it while people waited in line. And I don't care because I'm the biggest game of Thrones fan in the world. And then I Photoshopped my eyes to be blue because I was wearing a white Walker <laughs> shirt and white Walker shoes because I'm extra. So deal with it. Anyway, good night. All right. Good night. See you guys next time.